0: Welcome back to another week of Last Ones at the Bar. We're back for another week of boxing discussions and topics. My name is Wilton Henry. My name is Daniel Lee. My name is LaBelle Jackson. What's good fellas? Um, You know, it's it's getting a little chilly outside, man, but uh, we just finished Thanksgiving break about a week or so ago. Um, Now we got Christmas break coming up. You guys have any big plans for Christmas
1: no man uh COVID Christmas has it has me kind of locked down so uh, my my younger brother might come into town but other than that um, I'm around my immediate family a decent amount so we're just gonna kick it but other than that I'm gonna lay low and uh hopefully finally get to use some of my leave I haven't been able to use all year
0: yeah it sounds good man you know whatever it is that you do hopefully you you enjoy uh, even though we are in the midst of COVID. But speaking of COVID, those numbers are crazy as far as like the deaths. like They right back where they were when they were at their peak. Yeah. So, you know, we got to take that into consideration. I, I want to do a little traveling, but I'm still a little bit skeptical and reluctant. And I haven't even taken that test yet, but I really haven't felt the need to take the test. I've been been around many people, but I'm afraid to take the test because I don't want them sticking that thing all the way up my nose. Right. <laughs>
1: but, um,
0: yeah, so let's go ahead and get to these topics, though. So we got a big week of boxing um, that we had this weekend. There's a lot of fights, you know. I, I would consider it the good, the bad, the ugly of the weekend. But let's go ahead and start off with the Spence Garcia. What you guys think about that? How um, you know, How's you score? it? And, you know, what was your overall impressions of the
1: event? I had it 116-112 Spence. Um, he was the same Spence I was used to seeing. He looked, he looked very sharp, very crisp punches. He was the aggressor. And they they said at some point that he normally walks around at 190 before he starts camp. But he was at 161 this time. Um, so he didn't have to cut down nearly half as much. So uh, Spence looked really good. Um, you know, he seemed to have taken his foot off the gas in the ninth. And from then on, and I'm not sure if that's because he felt like he had done enough to to win at that point or if it was uh, rooted in fatigue. I'm not sure. I mean, even if it's fatigue, it would be justified because he was out of the ring for so long. Um, I thought that Garcia went for it a bit more in this fight than he did in the Thurman fight, but um, Vince didn't seem to be bothered by his power. And so, uh, you know, Garcia was who he was, and Spence was who he was, and Spence just seemed to do his things better than Garcia did his things overall. Yeah, it, it was
0: a really good fight. Um, that was the best fight that I saw this weekend. And first and foremost, let me say congrats to the truth. You know what I mean? I was wrong on my prediction, but I was so happy that I was wrong um, in my prediction. And as you stated, Spence looked like the sharp, Chris Spence that pre-accident, you know what I mean? Even sharper than he looked against Porter. And so, um, like I said, I just want to say congratulations to him. I'm so happy because, like I said before, I know that he has the right mentality, the right mind state, and he's going to do the right things moving forward, you know, as far as like trying to fight stiff competition and whatnot. Um, He did a good job of, of boxing, moving forward. He just had more things that he could do than Danny Garcia, you know, he was disciplined, sharp, you know, resilient, focused. And um, the jab, I think the jab also kind of mitigated a lot of things that Danny wanted to do. But he just mixed it up. Sometimes he applied pressure, you know, at times he boxed. And then throughout the fight, he was defensively responsible. As far as Danny is concerned, he just didn't let his hands go. And that's that's his um, Achilles heel when, when he has these big, he doesn't he just doesn't do nearly enough but like four rounds one through eight I thought it was relatively even but Spence just pulled away towards the end but great win for, for the troop uh,
2: first and foremost
0: uh, hats off to, to Errol Spence uh, I was wrong also
2: about my prediction I thought the accident would play a part uh, but it didn't you know he 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 came back he was the same Spence that we were used to seeing. Uh, the key was was that jab, and uh, of course, Danny didn't he didn't uh, connect with enough punches. Uh, he also was trying to throw his jab, his, of course, Danny Garcia doesn't necessarily have a good jab, so he wasn't really landing it. Um, so, you look at numbers. Uh, yeah, he was missing a lot of jabs on Spence. Spence looked very sharp, um, very uh, composed. Uh, I, I thought it would be closer. Uh, but, you know, of course, Smith didn't lose anything. Um, I scored the fight uh, 118 to 110. Uh, I gave Danny Garcia two rounds. I believe I gave him the fourth round. I gave him to the 10th the round. But it was interesting in the even in the first half of the fight. Uh, even though Spence was winning those rounds, uh, Danny wasn't too far behind, but he just wasn't doing enough to win those rounds. So he was kind of – like, like some of the conversations were saying, he was in the fight, but he was just losing it. And then he was letting Spence win that fight. And you can't do that against a fighter like Spence because he's going to pull away. It's like, it's if you want to win rounds on, if, you, if your goal is to win rounds on Spence and you don't have the power to, like, hurt him in any way, you have to start, you have to start, get, get, do a, get a fast start on him. And I sort of like how uh, Sean Porter was doing. Sean Porter fought it out, but of course, uh porter and, and garcia are different they're different fighters you know they fight different their mentality is different so uh because let's be clear at their best when spence is at his best and garcia is at his best garcia doesn't have uh uh the, the type of style i believe that would cause uh spence that many problems but because of the accident i didn't know how you know spence would be affected and i thought it would have you know had effect on him but it didn't. You know, hats off to, to Errol Smith glad to to see him back, you know. Uh he seemed uh mentally better. It seemed like he's not in, you know, in a space of of wanting to 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 uh risk anything, you know, go down a drain with his career. He's he's back. Uh so hats off to him. And hats off to Danny Garcia for for you know, giving a tough uh performance and and he he didn't give up on himself. He was discouraged, but he never gave up on himself. After this fight, it's it's going to be interesting to to what Spence does after this fight. We see, we heard his comments. He's not going to make any decisions just yet. He's going to go uh, to his ranch and you know buy a couple horses and play with the chickens. And you know, I, it seems like he's in a better place mentally than he was in previous fights, where where you know he's fight where he, he cut a lot of the, the clutter around him. So uh, as far as fight wise, what do you, where does he go from here? What do you guys think happens with him?
0: Um, I, I have no idea what he's going to do next, but I would like to see him, um, if Manny's going to take a fight, a challenge like that, if he's going to fight the best fighters that he could possibly can face, then I think that Spence more than deserves and has earned his right to face Manny Pacquiao. And I was um, happy to see that Manny tweeted him afterwards. They seem like they have um, somewhat of a re- relationship So I think that he's the one that deserves the fight. And the reason why I'm saying that is because in the welterweight division, he's been doing most of the heavy lifting, you know? So he's, he fought Brooke when Brooke was the number one welterweight, or at least number two welterweight, he fought Sean Porter. He just beat Danny Garcia. He had, he did good pay-per-view numbers against Mikey Garcia. And so for me, like I said, I think he deserves it. He's earned it. And you pit that against what Crawford has been doing, and he's been doing the total opposite. So I would want Crawford to at least fight one of those guys. You know, he doesn't deserve the Pacquiao fight because I think that he needs to fight a Danny Garcia, a Porter, or a Thurman, or Ugas. So for um, Earl, I think that Manny Pacquiao should be the next at least big fight that he takes.
2: I look at this uh, two ways. I look at what I want to happen, and I look at what's probably gonna happen. Uh, what I want to happen, I look at. I want. I would, what I would like to see is, you know, of course, Spence the fight. But that's the fight I want to see. That's a fight a lot of people want to see. A um, shout to to Andre Berto. Berto actually uh, tweeted out and brought to the to everyone's attention that this is the first fight where, you know, it was it was people actually acknowledge you know terence crawford as a champion uh we don't know what's going on behind the scenes as far as conversations but it seems like you know it's on the an up and up when it when it's in regards to those two um of course i would like him to fight Bud and then fight uh maybe rematch porter if he beats Bud, he can rematch porter and then uh, because Spence, let's be clear, Spence is not gonna make keep on making one forty seven. Even though he, even on a diet plan, he, he's kind of filling out. So after the Porter fight, I would like him, you know, you know, give a shot to an up and comer, maybe Jaron Ennis or um, Virgil Ortiz, and then move up to one fifty four. You know, is, you know, is good challenges at one fifty four. You know, he can make his case there, um, and see what, what goes from there. Uh, what's probably gonna happen. Uh I think eventually he is gonna move up, but what I think is gonna happen, I think he's probably gonna fight uh, uh Thurman. In, in this world, he's probably gonna fight Thurman next, uh Pacquiao and then quarter and and if Bud's still around and hasn't lost yet, he'll fight Bud and then move up. That's probably in my eyes what's probably gonna happen.
1: Yeah. I see it kind of the way you see it, Vail. Um I mean, on the list of likely opponents in terms of next fight, you know, obviously you want to see Crawford. I'm not baking on that. I felt like if that were something that they were planning with Crawford in attendance, they would have done the whole dramatic, you know, bring Crawford into the ring and they face off type of deal, uh, which was not the case, even though they did show him on the big screen. Um, I, the Thurman fight uh, could happen. I think that is probably as likely to happen as the Pacquiao fight. Um, the Pacquiao fight could definitely happen, but if I'm if I'm Crawford, I try to make the chess move of, of getting that fight before Spence does, because if he does, then he will have two belts, and that kind of puts Spence in a position where if he wants to unify before moving up, he has to see him at that point. Um, so, you know, I, I could see him fighting either Pacquiao or Thurman, um, depending on whether or not Crawford grabs that spot first. Did you have, have any more thoughts on that? Yeah, I just
0: had a few things. And remember I told you I used to see Errol sometimes at the 24-Hour Fitness in Grand Prairie right outside of Dallas. And I had a conversation with him about that as far as – because to me, as I was seeing him, Earl is pretty big you know, especially for somebody who can make 147. And I was asking him at the time, I said, how long do you think that you can make 147? And he was saying at the time, he said, probably um, when I'm 28 is what he said. He said, i probably um, keep making it until I'm 28. And so it's surprising that now that he's 30, he's still dropping down to make 147. And so we'll see how long he can do that, you know, moving forward. But I'm sure he's going to try to get those big fights because that's where the money is. I wouldn't for me, like t- for him to take on a porter again at this point, I think that would be hustling backwards. That wouldn't make any sense because you, you've you already beaten him and you have those bigger money fights. That's right there. It's, it's right there for you. And you've accomplished so much at this point that. You, you only have certain amount of fights that you can take at 147 that you still have left. And so I, I can't see him doing that. Maybe if he fight Port it again, it'd be at 154, you know, but not at 147 because you might got two, three more good fights left in you at 147. And so I just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Cool. So let's hop on the other side of that, uh, of that opposition. Uh, we have Dan Garcia, who's been at 147 for a few years now, where does he go from here? Um,
2: just like with Smiths, I look at this two ways. What's, uh, what I want to happen, what's likely to happen. Uh, what I would think would be good for Danny Garcia is to, you know, um, he probably should go down, back down to 140. Because he's, you know, he, on at the top level, he does match up well with everyone. But if he wants to get wins and get another, if his goal is to be a champion, uh, he should see if he can still make 140. Because he, right now he's 0 3 in his, you know, title shots, and now he's going he's at a point at a crossroads where he's probably what's likely going to happen. He's going to end up being a gatekeeper uh, to the top. Not like gatekeeper as far as like just a you know a fringe opponent, but a gatekeeper to the top, the upper echelon. You know, so if someone beats him, he's like that door. Uh, But my fear with Danny Garcia is, you know, he, even though he's he's 32, 33, he's an older 32, 33. He was on a top level, you know, years before the current crop were were, were there. So uh, my fear is that, you know, you have guys like Virgil Ortiz and, and Jerron Ennis coming up. And they're much, much bigger than Danny, and they're much, much stronger than Danny. And at some point, uh, you can't keep taking those. I mean, Danny's a tough guy; he never really been got get, been hurt really, really bad. But you can't keep taking those punches as uh, Robert Guerrero, you know, found out. Robert Guerrero was also a tough guy who could take a lot of punishment, you know. And eventually, that chin, you know, gave out on him. So. Um, Danny Garcia is in a spot where he's going to have to make some decisions. I mean I know he's done well in his career, so his he's on, he's, he's on the other side and it's his and, and him uh closing out his career, I think he's in a good spot where he's made a lot of money he has uh you know uh business plans of helping other fighters after he's done uh so he's taken care of that
1: at, at that point yeah um as for him he he's fought a good amount of the elites. Um, on the PBC side and in general in the welterweight division, um, I don't think he beats Crawford in terms of competition in the PBC range. I would kind of put him in the Ugas range, except for you know, there's more of a draw for him to fight the elite fighters. But I have that same kind of fear for him in terms of the damage he took because I, if you know, Spence would have kept on the gas. The, in the ninth and beyond the way he did in the beginning, I'm not quite sure Danny would have made it out of that fight yesterday. And so again, if, if like you said, Val, if he wants to pursue a title, you know, he won the belt before, but it was a vacant belt against Guerrero, Rob Guerrero. Uh, and I don't think he wins another title at this weight class. So uh, he, if he wants to stay at 147, I, I you know, he's kind of stuck but he, there is a shot for him to if he can make 140 again, there is a chance for him to, to get ships at 140 again. I kind of look at Danny uh, a little differently.
0: Like, I think that, well, first and foremost, let me um say this I think that what he should consider is adding another trainer to help him because he has the problem in the big fights of letting his hands go. So if you can add somebody else to put more wrinkles into his game and he doesn't, his footwork. So somebody can, and they may not be able to help him in that area, but I think that he needs somebody else, another uh, set of eyes um, to help him develop certain things that he's missing, especially at the elite level. right? So I think that's the first thing that he might want to consider and then, but I still think he's competitive. Like Spence is a is a is a bad boy, you know. And and he, to me, he's a cut above the other champions. And that's the first time that I've seen him outside of the Herrera fight, you know, take punishment, you know, extensive amount of punishment. Typically, I didn't see that much punishment he took against Porter. I saw Thurman land some pretty good um, right hands against them, but it wasn't like he took a beating. It like those fights were razor close. But still at the um 147 pound division and at the elite level for him moving forward i would like for him to you know look to see if he can get one of those rematches with the porter with the thurman you know even the crawford fight i think that you know those are big money fights and you, or ugas he can you know take on him to put himself back in a situation where he can fight for a belt the other thing that he can do is because he's a marketable guy. So he still can fight somebody like a Mikey Garcia and make a nice payday. He still can fight somebody like a Adrian Broner and make a nice payday. So I think he's in a pretty good space because of his popularity. And he, he can draw crowds out there in Philly on the East Coast. He's done it before. So I, I, I tend to think that more of an upside for him than he just lost to a great fighter. You know, it's nothing wrong with that. You know, and that's what you want. Um, fighters to do is is put themselves in a position to fight the best and see where you stand or stack up. Other thing, again, for me as a rule of thumb, as a fighter age, you down to not as you get older. I think that them as post fight interview, it's more so whether or not he's going to move up to 154 as opposed to him attempting to go back down to 140. And so I think that I wouldn't try to make that move. If you can make 147, stay down there because that's where the money is. And I think 154, you might be biting off a little bit more than you can chew.
2: Oh yeah, I, w- I want to say, uh, just now that you've mentioned it, Well, I definitely agree with you as far as uh, Angel Garcia. I, uh, I didn't really like how... <laughs> Excuse me. I didn't really like how Angel was. You know, the instructions he was given. I mean, he was telling the right things to do, but he wasn't really explaining how to do it. And I and I do think Danny technically um, is a fighter that that is willing, probably willing to listen to instructions and willing to take instruction. And I don't think Angel was providing the 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 right. Angel was. He sounded like he was lost. And I, and I think that. A, a uh, better trainer would probably we don't know how it's gonna go if he if Danny did decide to change trainers, but I think a better trainer would would, you know, work on a certain things, help him work on certain things as far as you know, establishing a jab and be better to ex- explain things, you know, if he had another trainer.
0: Now, uh one of the other top world to weights, Keith Thurman, said that he wanted the winner. Do you guys think that he's deserving of the match with Spence next?
1: No. Not necessarily, but I could see it. Um In and, and Thurman's last two outings, since he's come back from injury, he looked okay. And then he, uh, against Molina, I believe, and then he lost to Pacquiao. And so, um, you know, like I said earlier, I could see him getting that fight kind of by proxy of Spence having fought a good amount of the PBC stable at this point. Um, I think Spence gets another unanimous decision out of that, if that were to happen. And so, um, so yeah, I don't think he deserves it, especially not more than Pacquiao, but I could see it.
0: Yeah, Thurman, yeah, he, he didn't look good against uh, Josecito Lopez either before that Pacquiao fight. You're right. I, to answer the question as far as is he deserving of the Spence fight, I say no, absolutely not. And the reason why I say that, well, even before I get to my reason, I think he needs to position himself to be deserving of that, that shot by rematching Porter, fighting Danny, Ugas, or even Crawford. I can see that because Crawford hasn't faced any of those top weights. But to me, Thurman missed the boat when Spence was calling him out for like two years. He really and he kept making excuse after excuse and trying to create these obstacles for Spence not to be able to get that fight. Now, it wasn't any excuse for him to have after Spence went to Sheffield and took the title from Brooke. And so he kept putting those obstacles in place. And now that Spence is regarded as the man now you know i can see his reluctance on wanting to face somebody who he had been calling out for so long when the tables were turned
2: say I, I agree with you guys I, it's, it's a you know it's, it's, a, it's sad to see where he's at because when you look at his resume i mean he beat some of the same people spence has beaten he, but he's beaten them you know a little bit earlier but in the last two three years it's like He's not consistent. It's it's almost like he doesn't really want it was a point, we went to a point where it seemed like he didn't really want to fight and he was only looking for big fights. He doesn't seem like he's looking to be great or looking to win. He's just looking for money fights. And that was even the case with Pacquiao. He thought like, oh yeah, Pacquiao is a big money fight. And you know, I probably think I can beat Pacquiao. Like you can see, we found out when he got in the ring with him that you know he wasn't he didn't seem ready, you know, for that type to 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 do what it what needs to be done to be great, you know? Because, I mean, uh, Pacquiao is Pacquiao, but Thurman, he, he had his window of opportunity when Pacquiao started slowing down in that fight and he didn't take it. So uh, Thurman is, is and it's in a spot that he, he's probably going to get some of those fights, um, but from 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 what I see, he, he's, he's kind of on the downside, his heart's not there. And then when those young guys start coming, they go. I mean, Thurman's going to be the first name they take. They're going to take his head off. Now that we know this was a, a busy week for, uh, for fights, uh, it was a couple of other fights that you know were on this this week. Uh, one of them was Anthony Yarday versus uh, Lyndon uh, Arthur. Um, of course, I checked this fight out. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on on this this fight?
0: Kind of this week. In um, boxing cards, we could let the good, the bad, and the ugly, we we just address the good. Um, <laughs> so this has to fall into the category of either the bad or – I wouldn't say ugly, but it, it was pretty bad. And so, you know, when I was watching the fight, I, I made it a point to get back home. Now, I could have watched the fight from my phone, and, you know, where I was at, but I just wanted to come in the living room, you know, watch it on a bigger screen and just relax and chill, you know, that – Midday fight, it's not like that, and then you have a bigger fight later on, so you know, you're just painting that picture of that Saturday of you know, these pretty big boxing cars, right? And so, when I came back, I was on the couch, I was watching the fight, and the fight was, I would say, terrible, you know. So, it's, I had it four, too, so I'm really interested in the fight, but, you know, I'm trying to score it, and I would afford 4 but I fell asleep um, at that time. So then I woke up. Now, the good thing about that, you know, obviously the bad part is the fight was boring, but the good part was the fact that I caught me a nap, which ensured that I would be awoke for the Spence Garcia card. So that was something that I was um, pretty happy about as far as getting that nice little power nap, because I woke up and it was the ninth round. And so this it, it fight was so bad that I didn't go back to watch those rounds that I missed. But when I woke up um, I, and, and as I watched the other rounds, I thought the fight could have went either way. Now, I thought that the announcers were being a little bit biased for Arthur. You know, some of the times when he would throw jabs, they would make it out to be much more than what was actually happening. And then anytime Yard would do something, they really wouldn't acknowledge it. And so i noticed that and so i knew that once they went to a decision just based on how they were announcing the fight i kind of knew that arthur was going to get that decision now i could have went either way based on what i saw but i didn't see those i think it was like three rounds that i missed but i'm gonna say this neither of those guys really should be proud of their performance and effort in that fight um before they do anything else these fellas they they probably should do a rematch and actually fight this time to see who actually really won, you know, because like I said you could have made a case it really should have made that a draw. Um and then the last few things that I'm going to say as far as yard is concerned is that I think he's like Danny Garcia in this sense that he needs a new trainer. And so he can keep the guy that he has, but it's like he is certain things that he just can't do and I don't think that guy is capable of teaching those things that he needs to do. Like right now, he he's ineffective when it comes to, like, cutting off the ring. Um, he does a lot of posing. Um, and so, in his stamina, you know, he still has issues with his stamina. And then, um, last thing I'm, I'm going to say is this, man. I'm going to say this, y'all. And hopefully somebody passed this along to you. Quit yelling out lions. Well, I don't know. What do you say? Lions in the cub or lions in the cut? Whatever it is he's saying, he can, they yell it out all the time. You can't yell out that you're a lion when you're fighting like a kitten. And so I'm going to leave it at that.
2: I'm glad you used the kitten analogy. Uh, (laughs) Because I watched this fight. Uh, I saw most of it. At some point, I just stopped scoring it because I I, I didn't think either guy, neither guy deserved to win. But just like kittens, it was like two cats pawing each other. It was like their jabs was even looking funny. It was like even, they weren't even stepping into the jab. It was just like a like an arm jab and they're just touching each other and then was like <laughs> it was like watching a fencing match. It, it, it was pretty horrible. I mean, I'm like, what what is going on? Neither guy that really deserved, you know, to, to to win this fight. Um Yeah, they're pulling each other for about seven to eight rounds. I think uh while you're asleep, Will, I think you know, they tried to make a little bit happen. You know, and late in the fight, it, it just wasn't hitting. You know, a couple right hands started getting thrown, and and, and I want to say, uh, Arthur, he did get hit by a right hand by by Yard, and you know, he took it well, but he 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 was stunned. He was kind of hurt. Uh, but that was probably the only thing notable that that happened in that fight. I mean, the a guy deserved, you know, to win that fight. It, it was just, it was interesting. It was like it was basically I was watching the offensive uh, match. If, if there was one positive I could say for Anthony Yard is is that he didn't get tired this time. <laughs>
1: That's the only thing. Yeah, I I went ahead and scored it because I was already committed to it. You know, and I, I scored a draw, but I wasn't mad at the, you know, the split decision. And I'm not sure how much I learned about either fighter, to be honest. Um, I mean, both were ranging, and it was evenly matched. Like, I initially gave Yard the edge, but that was because of his fight with Kovalev and having been in deep waters. And so, you know, that said, yeah, it was just a bad – it wasn't an entertaining match um, to to watch. I'm not really sure where either fighter goes from here. Um, I'm not sure if that justifies – that win justifies a title shot for for Arthur. Maybe they do rematch and, and try to have an actual fight. Um, I wouldn't be mad at that either. But, but yeah, it was. I, I also had pretty high expectation because I saw. I saw Yardy really let his hands go against against Kovalev and and do some damage there, and so I was hoping that he would have built on that. But, um, he he just didn't seem to do that. Um. Do you guys have any more on that? I'm guessing no. But- <laughs>
0: No, I'm going to say this, though. I did learn something because I was a little bit higher on yard before that fight. Now, maybe, like I said, if he gets him another training, because he has some skills. But at this point, I can't see him or Arthur being competitive with the champions at light heavyweight. Not after that
1: performance. I would agree. And I was – after the fact, I was looking at who had the belts because I know Better BF had – he has the IBF and the WBC, and I knew Beville has the WBA. Uh, the WBO is currently vacant, and I believe they're trying to – Joe Smith Jr. is – they're trying to position him to fight for the vacant title. I'm not so sure either those guys are worthy of that title shot at this stage in their careers. So, so yeah, for right now, I I – They got to figure it out, man. That's all I got. Uh, But I guess staying staying on that side of the pond, though, uh, we had Billy Joe Sanders fighting Martin Murray at 168. Um, This was both of their first fights after some inactivity. I know Billy Joe Sanders had a fight that was canceled because of COVID. Uh, What did you guys have on that one?
2: Uh, This fight was, you know, it was a little more exciting than the one previously talked about. Um, but I mean I, I was kind of disappointed, and um uh, well, of course, Martin Murray is Martin Murray, but the whole fight you watch Martin Murray circle Billy Joe Sanders. I mean, he's circling them so many times it was making me dizzy. And it's almost like he's circling him, but getting beat at the same time, and Martin and uh Billy Joe Sanders is standing in the middle of the ring, just beating him up, and then you know, at certain points. He'll walk him in there, walk into the corner, and he'll beat him up some more. And Billy Joe Saunders is, is, is to me when I watch him, it's it's like uh, he th- he throws decent combinations, but you can s- kind of see it coming. Like it's kind of slow, it's, and sometimes it'll be a little faster, but he's kind of slow. So I don't, I necessarily don't see him in a crop. But I mean, maybe a fight between him and. Uh Callum Smith, of course, Callum Smith had to fight against Canelo. But I think uh Billy Joe Sanders need to leave England, come over to America and fight some of the, the competition here. Cause I, I he doesn't he didn't look like the type of guy that should be undefeated.
1: Yeah. As you as you guys saw, uh he pitched a shutout in this fight and he looked relatively comfortable and fluid. Um Murray And much respect to Murray because he's been a a gamer for a while. He, you know, 38 years old, fought, um, you know, pretty much most of the elites when he was at middleweight. Um, He just kind of looked older and kind of came in with his hands up a lot. And and like you said, he just, you know, outside of the circling, Um, you know, the fight was what it was. And, you know, looking at Sanders' career, his best fights, I've seen him look the best at. I mean, this was kind of expected. No disrespect to Murray, but it was kind of expected. And he looked good against Lemieux at middleweight, who you should look good against if you want to be an elite middleweight. And so, um, you know, he's been called out by uh, Andre. He was trying to pursue the Canelo fight this year. Maybe he gets into 21. I don't know. Um, but I would like to see him fight. I would actually, I think that fight against Andre would answer a lot of questions about both of them since they're both at the elite level relatively untested.
0: It's another snooze fest. This this was, come on, man. Martin Murray is 38 years old. If you look at Martin Murray's resume, probably the best thing that he's done is that 11th round loss to Golovkin when Golovkin was pile driving his opponents you know that was a good effort if you will if you look at any of the top fighters that he's faced he hasn't beat any top fighter he had a close decision loss to i want to say it was uh sergio um martinez but that was 2013. so if he was unable to successfully beat any of those fighters 10 years ago eight years ago i mean what you think is going to be the case in 2020 when he's 38 you know so again i don't know what the zone is doing it's like they are doing their best effort to go bankrupt uh to me by putting on some of these matches but billy joe saunders man if you like it i love it if you look at his last few opponents he's fought arthur um akavon willie monroe David Lemieux, Charles Adams, Chefet Isufi, Marcelo Esteban uh, Casetas, and then Martin Murray. So, if he's able to get away with that, I believe Joe Saunders is uh, well worth over $2 million. So, if they're allowing you to fight this level of opposition, keep doing it. You know, why not? Um, so, that that's pretty much my take on it. If you missed this fight, you didn't miss anything. As as far as the um another guy we wanna wanna talk about um is you know we've talked about pretty much um guys that people know um as far as in, in the boxing um world, but we got an up and comer, and this guy he's a six five and a half inch um junior welterweight Sebastian Fondura. Yesterday he fought Habib Ahmad or Ahmed. Um did you guys see that fight and, and if you did what do you, what do you think about this new prospect that we have coming up in a one hundred and fifty four pound division
2: yeah i saw i saw the fight uh you know sebastian fedora uh of course he's a freak of nature you know six foot five and a half to six six got a, what, eighty inch reach. I mean, when you look at him, you could tell that his arms are really, like, he's standing, his arms are very, very long, his, hand, his hands are almost down to his knees, and he's already tall. So that it, it tells you a lot about his range. Um, yeah, he has the same dimensions as Lennox Lewis, and he's fighting that light middleweight. Uh, he, he definitely has power. I mean, of course, he, he, he's, he's not the type of tall fighter that's using his jab and, you know, and trying to you know outbox he's brutalizes similar to paul williams uh so he he's exciting um he's he's gonna be a guy to watch uh i i am not gonna say I expect a lot from him because I, I i really don't i think he will eventually rise up to the to the mm-hmm. up to the ranks and get those better fights um well, I do think a, stock, a strong, stocky short fighter is probably going to crack the chin, and we'll see how good his chin is. But overall, I was impressed, man, that he got Ahmed out of there, you know, second round. Uh, just beat him up pretty much. So, I mean, he's a guy to watch.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, at this point, you just don't know enough because of the level of his opposition. But as you say, he's a like, as, you know, with the um, dimensions that he has, that wingspan and, you know, <laughs> that's going to be a daunting task for anybody that he's facing. Um, it it depends on how long he can make 154. I'm not sure. But, yeah, man, I mean, he seemed like a likable kid, too. When you saw him in an interview, I don't know if you saw that, but, you know, he, he's kind of charming, you know, as as you listen to him speak and whatnot. Um, but yeah, man, he looked like a praying mantis out there, you know, daddy long legs, but he has great potential, good power right now. Um, what I would like to see is, you know, allow him to face different, different opposition and maybe six months from now, get him in there with six months to a year, get him in there with somebody like a Austin Trout, you know, that would be a good test to see where he is. Maybe about a year from now, if Austin Trout's still around, or even somebody like a Terrell Goucher, some a level of opposition like that to see what you know how well he responds to somebody like that. But based on what I've seen so far, you know I, I, I like what I see, and uh, hopefully we see more of them.
1: I don't have much else to add other than what you guys said already. Um, at his height and weight, you know he had pretty pretty good movement. Um, obviously, he kept the distance very well because his wingspan is crazy. And he just he just overwhelmed it with flurries. And and also, to your point, Will, um, you know, those physical attributes, as long as he can make 154, are going to be a problem for, for any, you know, for anybody off the strength of that. And so um, I was going to take it the same direction you did in terms of, you know, fighting someone that's kind of like a middle-of-the-pack, Um, guy at that weight class, like a douche. Um, So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to to learning more about the kid. He seems to have a bright future regardless um, of the strength of his physical attributes and his personality. So, you know, I'm hoping the guy puts it together. You guys have anything?
2: Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, Even if he – he's one fifty he's at one fifty four even if he doesn't even if he moves up as long as he doesn't move up to like one seventy five i think he's definitely will still i mean at one seventy five he'll be tall and pretty much taller than everyone but it wouldn't be as much a factor as like let's say at one sixty and one sixty you know eight i mean just think of course you know we don't favor him over someone like canelo but just, look, just imagine them in the ring together, and Canelo's like five foot eight at best, you know, and Fedora is like six five, you know, close to six six, you know. That's the dimensions we're looking at. So it's going to be interesting and awkward to
1: see, you know, how far he goes. Well, uh, this past Friday, uh, the Pet dermacho Camacho movie debuted I understand, Vale. You have something to say about it. You saw it
2: yeah i saw it uh it was interesting to watch uh, i can't say I, I loved it not that it's the documentaries fought pretty much it, it was just kind of sad to watch it was bittersweet you know macho macho if you listen to this podcast he's one of the guys i watched growing up one of the first fighters i watched shout out to my pops because you know my, that's one of my fi- my father's favorite fighters but it was it was sad to see because you know even from a psychological standpoint, you're watching somebody on screen that's, you know, appears happy, smiling, laughing, but you know, he's depressed. You know, he's like haunted. And, and it's like, you've seen that play out in his life and you see how that, you know, affect his career as far as the things he got into the drugs and all that. And it, it, it poses the questions of how good he would have been uh, in addition to how good he was, uh, because even though, you know, he he never really rose to the greatness of what he should have been. I mean, even when you look at his losses, he only really lost to legends like, really, I mean, actual legends like guys who are really, really good. It's not like he, you know, not like bombs are blowing him out, even in you know, that much later in his career, you know. So, uh, his, his career holds weight, and I think he doesn't get talked about enough, but it still poses that question of how good he would have been if not for the drugs, and you know. Uh, a lot in his career, a lot is made of that Rosario fight, him catching that punch and being uh, more defensive-minded after that. But I look at it differently because that could that should have made him better. Even even though he was more reluctant to take punches, he should have his defense should have been better. But he should have been more assertive with you know counter punches and things of that nature. It, it should have made him more assertive, and I think that had more to do with you know drugs and not being focused on fighting as opposed to just not wanting to take, you know, punches, you know, because he's, it's not like he's just the first punch he's taken in his life. I mean, he, he's, this is a, a, a world champion who's been an amateur and all that. So I'm pretty sure he's been cracked in sparring many, many times. So it, it just, it begs those questions of how good he would have been. Had he, he would have been focusing and at his peak.
1: Now, also uh pretty recently as the last week, uh it was, Announced in the news that Clarissa Shields uh, was moving over to MMA. Uh, the, the direct quote is, uh, "Boxing is so sexist. These men are fighting for multiple millions that haven't accomplished half of what I accomplished, and I'm supposed to just be happy? Like, yeah, go ahead and pay me 300k and then offer me 150k for the next fight." You guys have any thoughts on her move to to MMA? Yeah, I want to say I. I... Kind of feel bad for Clarissa Shields
2: because she's someone I, I've, you know, followed since the even before she went to Olympics the first time, which was uh, 2012. Um, uh, she went to she's a double gold medalist. Went to the Olympics in 2012 and 2016. But what's behind all that is, I, I think of it was like this because I, I lived through those times as someone in, in you know from Michigan. She was in the same Olympics with Gabby Douglas in 2012. She was in the same Olympics with Simone Biles in 2016. But you heard of those two a lot more than you heard of her. Um, gymnastics really put those two on a pedestal way more than boxing put Trisha Shields up there. And of course, it's because you know boxing, it was a young, it's still a young sport. Women's boxing in general is a young sport and boxing in itself is a niche sport. Um, but it, it was it was interesting in that. And, and what I like about Christian Shields is at first she was very, very quiet. She was reserved. But as a pro, I've seen her develop and become more talkative out of herself. Uh, she's in the community in Flint, you know, with the Flint water crisis and all that. So she's a great role model, you know. So it's sad to see that she has to, you know, uh, go through that, you know. Um, and, and, and I want to say that Christian Shields is just as accomplished. If not more than Ronda Rousey, you know, so it's not exactly because she's a woman because Ronda Rousey is also a woman, and UFC through her, I mean, throwing money at her, and she's one of the top ten. She's she's been in the top ten paper UFC pay per view uh, of all time, and this is Ronda Rousey, and it went to the WWE and all of that. So it's, I can't say it's it's because of a woman. Is it because of you know a race? It's something to that. It could be, it could play a part. But when you look at Holly Holm, you know, Holly Holm, you know, had a full career as a boxer, you know, the all-American, you know, white girl from, you know, the rural area. She was the face, she was kind of, uh she could have been the face of boxing, but they didn't know what to do with her. She even, Holly Holm even built, even beat uh a Christy Martin, you know. In fact, Holly Holm is listed uh, on BoxRec as as one of the, is. The best female boxer of all time, you know, but UFC is what is who embraced uh, Holly Holm, not boxing. Nobody knew knew who Holly Holm was. The only reason I knew who Holly Holm was because I used to watch, you know, local boxing. I remember, you know, um, Mary Joe Sanders was coming up the ranks, you know, as a woman boxer, and Holly Holm came to Auburn, Michigan, and beat her. So, yeah, I'm Auburn Hills, Michigan, and beat uh, Mary Joe Sanders. Um, so when it comes to shields, you know, it, it's kind of sad. I understand why she's doing it. She wants the money. She wants the notoriety. You know, she's a two-time gold medalist. That's, I don't care how you look at it as far as, you know, the medals and women boxing. having Winning Olympic medals is nothing, you know, um, you can't discount that. That's in the history books forever. That's in the history books. That surpassed even boxing championships because Olympic medals is a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, past, you know, uh, even the niche sports that's, that's in it, you know? So I kind of feel bad for Krista Shields. Um, I think she should have been, you know, marketed better. I think she should have been uh, embraced better by boxing. Um, it's almost like she has to make herself hated and say, I'm the greatest woman of all time, just for people to even look at her. And she never really got the, the and it's it, 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 some of its circumstance because she's not in, in the, the 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 best female fighters that she can fight are not even around in her weight class, and she has to either go further farther down or farther up, and she can't get those great fights that that uh, she needs. She's kind of in the wrong era, even. She's not in, I mean, she's not in the Lele Ali era where that would have been a formidable opponent, or in the Ann Wolf era. So it's kind of she's in a bad spot, and I and I understand why she's doing it. Uh, I don't necessarily I, I like that she's doing it because it's high risk. If she gets beaten up in the UFC ring, then they're going to use this to say how in, inferior boxing is and all that. Just like what happened with James Tony. So, um, or maybe she could succeed like Holly Holm. Who knows? But it's a it's a loss for boxing. Um, that's what I see.
0: All right. Now, as far as uh, Clarissa Shields is concerned, I'm not. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not really a big female boxing fan. Um, You know, I don't really follow the sport like that. If I just so happen to catch a fight, I will. Um, But if I can just take you through my experience with female boxing, um, if you give me a second, I'll do that because my recollection start started with Christy Martin. And so Christy Martin was the young lady out of, uh, I want to say West Virginia. They used to call her the coal miners daughter. And she fought on some huge pay-per-view events, you know, from time to time. But to me, that was like, and she started off like in a tough woman's competition. And um, I think in my eyes, and I don't know if this is more so for most boxing fans, but it it was to me, like she kind of legitimized women's boxing um, to me, you know, that's when they made it kind of a, a big deal. And then also you had, around the time that she was out you had um Lucia Riker who was really good mm-hmm. she was also someone who wasn't was pleasing to the eye too you know you see uh, Lucia Riker now in interviews she's a, a very beautiful i don't i don't whatever your measure of beauty I, I i think that you would think that she is pretty so she had that thing on but she was really powerful violent inside the ring great technique but she also came from like a mixed martial arts background into boxing then you also have, so people kept saying, can Christy Martin beat Lucia Riker? And, you know, so you had that thing, but it was just the fact that Christy Martin was kind of like the pioneer to what was going on. And she was really like the fighters that she was facing. She was really heavy handed. And I remember one fight in particular, she fought, it was a lady named Deidra Gorgati, And they fought like that was the first time I saw a female fighting on a pay-per-view event, right? So Pretty, pretty big deal. Then you also had females like Mia St. John. So you got another like model type uh, lady that's fighting in the ring and she used to fight on on like Friday night fights and stuff like that. But another female who would be like on a calendar or something like that, like that's that's the uh, but she was also she was really tough and she was working with. Uh, Robert Garcia, but she was also another person. I want to say she was like a Taekwondo champion or something like that. Then she went into boxing. And so that's another person that I recall um, who had the spotlight on them when it came to boxing. Now these guys, ladies had extensive careers though. And so then it, it came then I remember Leila Ali. Leila Ali even said that she saw that Christy Martin fight and that was kind of what inspired her to want to fight. She didn't even know that was a thing. And so she saw that And then she had a really good career, but she was the daughter of Muhammad Ali. So eyes are going to be on her just because of that. Like, that's a huge marketing um, advantage that you have. Then also another female that was easy on eyes as well, you know, and then they were had different matches that they could put together because George Foreman's daughter was fighting at the time Then you had Joe Frazier's daughter fighting at the time. And so they eventually put her against Joe Frazier's daughter and they had the first female pay-per-view event. So they could market that and sell that. And they sold it as Ali Fraser 4, you know, playing on the three fights that Ali and Frazier had, the actual uh, guys. And so she got that majority uh, decision victory. And eventually she ended up beating up uh, Christy Martin, even though Christy Martin wasn't really the same size as Ali, but they did have that match. And that was, you know, another thing that they could market. Um, then the other thing is the other lady that I was familiar with was Ann Wolf, but also with Ali. Not only is she's the was the daughter of the greatest and she had the looks, but she also had that person that people kept saying, you can't beat this person or we want to see you fight this person, which was Ann Wolf. And so Ann Wolf was to me, like some people say she's the greatest female boxer of all time. And that's, that's kind of, you know, debatable. Um, But, you know, and, and Wolf later on became a trainer. And I think most notably with um, James Kirkland, but she got one of the most brutal female knockouts of all time that Vonda, I think Ward or something like that. But she, she knocked, I mean. <laughs> yeah, she knocked that lady out. That's, that was very impressive. And, um, whatnot. So then I, I now I'll go to Car- Clarissa Shields. Now, when you see Clarissa Shields, if you watch her in terms of technique and whatnot, you could may consider her the quote, the greatest woman, you know, of all time when it comes to boxing. And she has really good technique, great speed. She got those straight punches, her timing. You know, she do the even do like the pull counter sometimes. So I mean, sis is cold with it. Like, don't get me wrong. Um and now, as far as her, and I hear people say, well, she won two gold medals. Well, <laughs> women boxing in the Olympics started in 2012. So some of those other ladies couldn't go to the Olympics because it just wasn't there at the time. So that's one thing. Um, here's the things that's, that's hampering her. One, she's only 10 and 0. You know, it's like not like she's had an extensive career and it's like she can't, you know, it would mm-hmm her benefits and rewards she only had 10 fights so um i think that maybe if she continues in the sport maybe they can build up to her being a marquee pay-per-view type of fighter but here's the problem right now she doesn't have like a dance partner that you can market like we want to see you face this person like i don't me i don't know I, maybe i um, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know another fighter out there who you could and, and people would want to see that fight like, oh, man, she's good, too. Can she beat her? And, you know, that type of thing When you have like a Crawford Spence, when you have a Joshua Wilder or, you know, th- those type of things. I don't see that out there. Also, outside of the talent, she doesn't really have a distinguishable attribute. If you look at her KO ratio, she's 10 and 0, but she only had two knockouts. Like, she'd be landing some punches, but it's like. She's not like Ann Wolf, and then the other thing is, I mean, just be honest. Like you know, mostly men watch boxing, and so she doesn't have that. Not that I'm just saying. Like in terms of everybody is going to be like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna watch her. Even yesterday when I was watching um the fight and the lady who was talking with. Sean Porter, who was announcing a fight with, with him. I think her name is Rosie Perez or something like that. You can tell how Sean Porter was. i never seen Sean Porter act like that. Just being around that woman, right? And so when you have guys who are going to be watching these fights, sometimes they want to see somebody who they like. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that plays a role in it, too. Is it is fair? Maybe not. You know what I mean? But I think those are the three things that's going to hamper her. Or she just doesn't have that. I'm the daughter of a star, you know what I mean, a, of an all-time great. It's it's one thing that's missing that would draw interest of fans, and that's what she's missing right now. But again, I think that she could build up to it if she gives it an opportunity, and maybe when she's 20 and old and she's still having those problems, then it's like, okay, I'm gonna go off the UFC, you know, and whatnot. I think she's just it's a little soon right now for her to be uh, making those complaints and gripes. But if she feels that way, you know, go for it, you know, go to UFC and see if you can um, make more money there. Uh, and, you know, she she has my support. That's for sure.
1: Both of you guys made some good points. And, um, you know, for her to say that boxing is sexist, um, I, I wouldn't argue that there's some of that there. I mean, like sports are in, in some ways Inherently sexist, but Val, you made a good point via the group chat that WNBA has a similar problem where, you know, most of the the, the fans of basketball are, are thin. And so, um you know, it's a complex issue because on one hand, like you said, well, uh, she only had 10 fights. But in those 10 fights, she went at a super middleweight. She dropped down to middleweight, unified that, dropped down to junior middleweight, middle, and unified that. And in 2017, she was the first woman to headline a boxing event on a premium television network with Showtime. So, you know, in 10 fights, she's moved up and down, and, and there's nobody for her to fight now. She doesn't have that rival, like you guys said. And so, um, yeah, she gets paid 300 k one fight, and then you don't have anyone else for her to fight, so, you know, it's not bringing in as much revenue, and you have to offer her less revenue for that reason... That's not inherently a gender-related issue. That's a marketing issue, which is unfortunate. So I completely get her, even though she's 10 fights in, you know, in in combat sports. You only have your your prime. You only have your physical attributes for so long. So if you want to maximize your net worth, by all means, go for it. So, you know, could boxing have promoted her better than they could? 100%. But... At the end of the day, I think it just her doing what she feels best for her career. And I, you know, I have a ton of respect for her as a fighter, as a woman. And I just hope it's a safe transition. As safe as it can be because, you know, MMA is not safe. But she's doing what she got to do.
2: Oh Yeah, I want to say y- y'all did make some good points. And I definitely... uh agree with the whole, you know, men do watch, you know, boxing or, and boxing is sexist. Let's just be real about it. Um, but Will, you made a point about, you know, uh, about her not really having people to fight and all that. And that, that all that is true. It's just that when I compare that to UFC, because I look at her, I look at, Christian Shields, the same way I look at Ronda Rousey. And when Ronda Rousey entered the UFC, UFC didn't have a women's division, really. They didn't probably even have weight classes. They created, they threw money into and created a women's division around her to make her a star. I mean, that's why they, then then out of that became, you know, a man, I mean, actually, as far as MMA, they were Further back than women's boxing, I believe the only person they had who wasn't even in the UFC at the time was a uh, was Cyborg. Um, they they created Amanda Nunes and the Holly Holmes and the uh, Maisha Tate's. They built these per- these characters up to take on uh, uh Ronda Rousey because they knew that the money was going to revolve around you know Ronda Rousey. And of course, let's be real, Ronda Rousey. You know, she's easy on the eyes and all that and stuff like that. She's tough. She can be in movies and all that. So, I, but, but you know what? I, I also believe that Christian Shields do have that personality. You know, I follow her on social media. She has that personality. It just hasn't really been brought out correctly yet. So it's sad to see that, but I mean, it is what it is at this point. So moving on right along. Um, it was a. It's a lot being said about the you know the lightweight division, and you know of course we know Teofimo Lopez is the one to beat. Uh, we had a promoter, his promoter Bob Aram of Top Rank, come out and say that you know one of the the, the potential opponents would tell Teofimo Lopez, who has a belt, uh, Devin Haney, has to prove himself to earn uh, Teofimo Lopez. Um, says uh, that Haney is not on the list in 2021 because, quote, uh, Haney has to prove himself. Uh, let him fight somebody that's real and then you can match him with Teofimo Lopez. Haney and Teofimo Lopez is not a fight that's going to generate revenue at this point. I don't know if how good he's going to be, how good he is. I'm saying he has to prove himself. If, if Ryan Garcia, again, he has to prove himself. If Ryan Garcia beats uh, Campbell, then he proves himself, uh, unquote. Um, what are you guys' thoughts
0: on that? Well, to me, I think that... I think, just as far as what Bob is saying, to me, it's, it's confirming to me that Devin is either a serious threat to Teofimo in Bob's eyes, or he's not sure of T. Teofimo's ability um, or both. Now, just... In general, when you say that somebody isn't proven, again, that's, that's something that it's it's a deeper, rooted issue that's going on here than just what he's saying. I just think he's he's bluffing, you know, and whatnot. Um, but this is typically how boxing work: is you had once a person has a world title then they're proven so let me let me break it down for you so typically how it's supposed to go and it's supposed to go in, in an order similar like this and i think that when we talked about uh joe joyce last week of how they're bringing him up that's the traditional way that fighters move right so you have your prospect who starts off with the six rounders he then he moves on to eight rounders then eventually he gets to his 10 um 10 round fights then you incrementally have the fighter, you know, take on better opposition, you know, the opposition gets stiffer and stiffer. So then once that fighter gets to that point, then a fighter might get a regional belt, something like a NABF title. Right. The North American Boxing Federation, if you are an American fighter or Canadian fighter or. Um, or whatever, right? So you get that title, you defend it a little bit, but that's when you made it to your 12th round fight. So now you're in position, you're comfortable at the 12th round limit, and then you go for your world title. Now, once you go through that order, then you're ready for all comers. So then you want to get the other belts. So what I'm saying is, is that once you go ahead and get to that point where you're a world champion, there's no such thing as you having to prove yourself. It's like you've done all of the necessary steps because now you're ready to defend that title against the world, against anybody else that you um, can possibly face. And you really are supposed to want the other belts. So to me, it's just, it's it's confusing and it it just doesn't make any sense. How can somebody who has a WBC belt have to prove themselves, even though another guy is just beating a, another opponent. Now, the opponent he's facing is a good fighter, but he doesn't have a belt. So, again, that just doesn't make sense to me.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, Will. I think – I mean, let's be clear. that Everybody's going to duck Devin Haney. Devin Haney is that guy. I've always been, you know, high on him, you know, and and, uh, I expect, you know, people to not want to really look at him like that. I mean, uh, it's funny because they all spar with one another, you know, him – Haney, Lopez, Garcia, and, and um, Tank Davis. They all know each other. They all with one another. They all know each other can do. Uh, David Haney has always been that, almost the boogeyman in a sense. And it's not like that he has, you know, when people look at the boogeyman, they, they always think of power and the guy that can knock you out, hurt you and stuff like that, you know. But sometimes the boogeyman is just that guy who just might be a step ahead, you know, of everyone. Um, my fear is that, you know, I don't want what, what's, what's happening to Devin Haney. I don't want the, want him to suffer the same fate as someone else who is currently with his own, which is Demetrius Andrade. Because Andrade won his first title, WBO title at 154. He won that title in, in 2013, the end of 2013. He, he won that title shortly after uh the the uh Mayweather Canelo fight. Cause I remember um Andre saying, quote, I'm the guy that's gonna beat Floyd Mayweather, unquote. So he's been a champion since since then. He of course he had troubles with promotion, had his title his, you know, been stripped of his title. But he's been that he's had a title since then. This is 2013. Uh, he won a, a, a WBA title in, in uh, 2017, he moved up to 160. So w- when I look at the guys that Demetrius Andre should have on his resume uh, from from then on to now, you got, you know, of course he called out Floyd. You know, Floyd's bad cow. He doesn't have to, he's at the end of his career, he didn't have to fight someone like Demetrius and Andre to risk it. But you have Canelo, you have Cotto, Austin Kraut, both Charlos, Erislandy Lara, uh, Gennady Golovkin, Hami Maniga. Even when you look at 168, you got Jacobs, Billy Joe Sanders. All these guys could have fought Demetrius Andre by now, and it's kind of sad where his career is going. So I don't want Devin Haney to suffer that same fate. But what's in Devin Haney's favor, I think, is that his name rings more bells than Demetrius Andre did. You know, he's more on the ledger, he's more on the radar to keep his name relevant as far as social media. Demetrius Andre is kinda too quiet, uh, sort of say. So I think Devin Haney eventually he's gonna he's gonna get that fight with TFU Lopez. I think it's eventually gonna happen. I think what's gonna happen, I think Lopez is not gonna fight Haney right away because Haney is the biggest threat out of everyone. But I do think Haney is gonna is probably gonna fight uh Taint before he fights Tiafima Lopez. That's what I predict.
0: Well, I just want to add in. I I think Demetrius Andrade is really cool and content with like his purses that he's making. So I don't think he makes a big fuss about getting those big massive matches because he's cool with where he is. You know, if you look, he, you know, I'm be one to be in somebody's pockets, but at the same time, his net worth is just under $10 million. So if you could keep making pretty, you know, sizable um paydays against the guys that he's facing, you know, why rock the boat? You know, I think that's, that's probably the way he's looking at it, but you guys have anything else you want to address before we, we wrap things up?
2: No, this is a busy week for boxing. We we cover all the ones we want. And of course we have more on the table for our listeners. <laughs> so uh, stay
0: tuned. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, it's a good week. It was a bad week in some senses. It was ugly, you know, in some senses. But at the end of the day, you know, it's good to have a, you know, a lot of boxing on a slate. And then we had a chance to look at some recognizable names. We even threw in uh a, a, a up-and-comer in Fundura. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the show, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great Tuesday. Peace. Peace.